Yo, yeah. Listen, yo, no. <laughs> Y'all really thought about the rap, huh? No, 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 no. Uh, what's good, ladies and gentlemen? It's your boy, Five Mike's husband, father, educator, writer, MC. The microphone gives me wings. Listen, um, I am a big fan of folks having a podcast. Like, if you have something to say, if you feel like your voice is important, um, uh, what you have to say is important, get a podcast, mainly for the first 30 seconds, because, like, when when the music comes in, you got your headphones on, like, that little fake studio, like, you feel like, you really feel like you're in front of 30 million people, <laughs> and I do it just for those 15 seconds, everything else is, I, I don't care, um, no, uh, thank you so much for, for tuning in, it's, uh, the Idea Manhood Podcast, uh, season four, episode two, um, the title of this episode is called Legends of Our Fall, right? So Legends of Our Fall, we'll get into that a little bit later. For those of us that joined last week uh, for season four, episode one, the rebrand, you know, I talked about how every episode for this season and moving forward is going to be 30 minutes or less. I want y'all to digest it. I don't want to be blabbing to y'all for hours on end like I used to. I want it to be short, digestible, um, and then also leave you with something to think about and leave us with something to talk about online or wherever you're listening, right? Um, So there's five segments of the podcast. It's the fist bump. It's like that initial first greeting, something that stuck with me. You know, during the week, I want to share with y'all. Then we're going to go into the barbershop today. The barbershop today, we're talking about R. Kelly. Just going to let y'all know. Let me set my timer so y'all know that it's really real in here. Um, Let me set that for 30 minutes right now. Bong. Um, Then we're going to go into Mr. Logan's Corner. Mr. Logan was my uh, first piano teacher in Brooklyn, New York. We're going to talk a little about music. And so... Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to go into I Hate the PTA. That's where our, our, our weekly education segment for the pops, for the fellas out there. And then we're going to end with some roti, which is a traditional Trinidadian dish, the meat and potatoes. Uh, and, and that's where we're going to end on. And that's when we're going to go into our topic, um, uh, legends of our fall or the legend of our falls. Right, so just keep that in mind. Starting straight on with the fist bump, um, heard this quote this week. Uh, it stuck with me. Uh, here's what it says: It says, "People are a slave to pattern." All right, people are a slave to pattern, and they're scared. They do what others think is right, but when you become a slave to pattern, you don't feel good. So it's like if you're doing something the way someone else is doing it, why are you unhappy? If so, that means do it different. And that quote is from Damon Dash. Y'all remember Dame Dash from Rockefeller? Uh, He has a really interesting show online where he's talking about the music industry from behind the scenes. And, uh, you know, he talked about patterns and just, you know, Dame has always been someone to kind of go against the grain. And him talking about patterns, I think a lot of times is... As, as men, you know, as, you know, you get into a rut, you get, you know, a married man, you're a father, you get to a certain age, you're just doing things kind of mindlessly and just going through life. And, you know, but if you're going through life and just doing things because someone else did it or someone else told you you should do it, you just got that and you're unhappy on top of that. Uh, you just got to ask yourself why, like, what is it? Um, what is it about that pattern? Is it safe? Is it easy? Uh, you know, what is, what is it that's making you stay and continue 
in that lane. So just chew on that. That's my fist bump. That's a welcome to the podcast. Again, this is the idea of manhood. This is season four. This is episode two. Uh, whoa, what a week, right? Um, what a weekend. A lot of heavy stuff going on. Um, a lot of us tuned in to at least a few episodes of the R. Kelly docu-series uh, on Lifetime, directed and, and produced by Dream Hampton, one of my favorite writers. It's been in the game for a long time. Um, I, I've been struggling how to or if I was even going to address R. Kelly on the podcast, you know, people have been asking me, Mike, what do you think? Like, the idea of manhood, like, this is a manhood issue, like, what's going on? Um, and so I I feel like I've reserved my real thoughts to it. I, I've, I've been reserved in my response um, because I've seen a lot of people, I've seen you know, adults, young people, old people, men, women across the board say some things that I thought were just wild, like <laughs> wild crazy. Like and 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 outside of watching what R. Kelly did to these women and families and communities, watching that was enough. And then seeing people's responses was like another layer of the tragedy, right? Um, and so I just pulled off like maybe three or four points that just things that stuck with me not necessarily or a response to what R. Kelly did if I think he's a genius or not or what do I think is it hard yeah of course like it's horrible he should be in jail forever um but but themes that continue to come come up for me as I was watching is just how uh powerful men are continuing to abuse their power right like, that's something that we've seen throughout the history of time. I mean, shit. I mean, there's examples on Game of Thrones. Like there's examples uh, from, from most of our history books about how men with power have abused their power. And um, with the idea of manhood and, and what I challenge all of us to think about is whatever circles of control that we have whatever is in our locus of control like the power that we have in those circles are so important and you have to be aware of it so that you can learn how to channel that power for good right or else like people you know like eh. so one that was a that was a, a pattern a theme that i saw in regards to r kelly and how he abused his power and and how he manipulated girls and their families and so many of us are abusing our power and even in the smallest of circles even if our locus of control is small we might you know have a job or we might be a coach on a team or we might do work in the community how can we use our power for good so if there's anything I think that this R. Kelly thing brings up for us is like as men how can we you know learn from this and even though shit like uh, it's so heavy and it's hard to talk about but we have to do better with our power and acknowledging it not trying to run away from it facing it head on and figuring out how to not abuse it right uh, so that's that's a theme the other theme that i've that i've seen that i don't like and i don't know if i don't like this because 
you know, it, it, it forces us to acknowledge a, a, an ugly fact. I don't like this narrative that this was so easy to do or R. Kelly was so easily able to do this because no one cares about black girls. I don't like that narrative, right? Sorry for the dog. I'm, no, just don't worry. Um, I don't like that narrative. I don't like the narrative that... Um, I don't like the narrative that this was so easy to do because as a society, as a country, as a people, black people, we don't care about black girls. I just... I mean, who does that narrative serve, right? So if this is something that's commonly being expressed in so many different... I'm seeing women express this. I'm seeing men express this. I'm seeing it on TV. And I have a daughter, and she's watching TV. You know, she's six, but when she gets older or whatever, she's... Re you know, who does that narrative serve? No one cares about black girls. Because I don't... I don't agree with that. I think we care about people. I think overall, you know, the overwhelming majority cares about people. I think something that we need to look closer at here is poor people. Was it so easy for this to happen because these girls were poor? I don't know. This is just me thinking and kind of freestyling, but um, I want us to really think about that. The socioeconomic class and status of these women and families were such that they wanted access so bad to whatever, whether it was the music industry for a way out of their situation, you know, for a way to demonstrate their talents, right? Um, that their status in society, in Chicago, in their city, in the hood, and wherever, again, this is making, you know, me making a lot of assumptions. But was it so easy to overlook these folks because they're poor? Because we overlook poor people every day. You know what I mean? We overlook the people on the train, on the streets that's asking for money. When we go in our schools, when we're in our communities, there's folks out there that are hurting. There's whole sections of the communities and the cities that we're in that are neglected and their schools are horrible and their, you know, the schools and their, uh, the roof and their school leaks and their, their apartments don't have insulation around the window. We overlook them because it's easy and we expect something from them. They're poor. Work your way. You know what I mean? That narrative, right? So that's one thing that kept on coming up for me. Something else that kept on coming up for me was uh, just this pursuit of fame, right? And so couple all of this with a man that's irresponsible with his power um, on purpose that is targeting and preying on poor women that are looking to be famous <sighs> like what are like I think there's there's something that we can learn here as parents as families as educators as people to like you know maybe not push so much emphasis on fame and stardom and the limelight and that moves me to my last point of r kelly and that is social media and how social media plays a role in all of this because the the, the hardest part for me with all this outside of what r kelly did and how it was shown on tv 
was all of your responses on social media. I mean, some of the most vile and disrespectful and dismissive things I've heard and read about R. Kelly were from like some of my friends, like people that I know well, that were so interested in getting a word out and saying, I've known this for 20 years. How come you haven't known this? That is... I don't like that narrative. Like, so what? You've known him for 20 years. Good for you. Your daughter also wasn't getting abused by R. Kelly. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, what what, what, what purpose does that narrative serve? You know, I saw people commenting like, y'all, y'all worried about R. Kelly. You need to be worried about your uncle that's raping your cousin. Like, what the, what? Like, what? What is it about social media that, that causes people to respond in that way. I don't know, man. That's just so vile to me. There's just, I don't think there's a place to respond to something so sensitive in that way. Well, you worried about R. Kelly. What about the government shutting down? What? What? Now you're creating false narratives and dog whistles and you're doing all sorts of trickery like to get people's mind. Like, yo, focus on the fact that this dude is a monster, that this dude took advantage of these poor girls looking for fame and to exploit their talents. Like, don't do that. Any, yeah. So that's my take on R. Kelly. I just want to keep it sweet. Y'all keep the conversation going in the comments. Like, I just feel that we missed an opportunity. Collectively, some people are having conversations, but I think in general, so much of the conversation has been about his music and is he a genius? And I can't sing, I believe I can fly anymore. Who fucking cares? There's real people issues here that, um, that by and large people aren't talking about. Um, anyhow, so making the hard turn, I, I, I kind of want to, I, I don't want to put too much time and how much time did I spent on R. Kelly. I spent too much time on R. Kelly. I spent 10 minutes, I didn't want to go there for that long anyway um but so yeah so transitioning into uh mr logan's corner so like i said mr logan was my uh my first piano teacher eccentric dude um out of new york uh marcy projects uh concord baptist church is where i took piano lessons and every saturday from flatbush my uncle would take me to uh to Concord Baptist Church, we would be, I, I, I remember like it was yesterday, I remember the smell, it was an old classroom, it was an old piano, everything, and there was old, but Mr. Mr. Logan was flashy in a mug, mad, flary, clothes, you know what I mean? If, if I'm being honest, I can make a couple assumptions about Mr. Logan in a time where people didn't talk about sexuality or, you know, eccentric, you know, whatever, like, I, I'm going to make some assumptions about Mr. Logan, but Mr. Logan was awesome. You know, I was a shy kid that didn't really want to, you know, ruffle any feathers. I would cry when he yelled at me. But, yo, he gave me a passion for music that was uh, like like no other. Um, and I really appreciate what he did. So I want to use this segment to kind of like to introduce maybe some things about what's going on in current music to my listeners. I know listeners might be my age and they're, you know, mid-30s, mid-40s, on up, and maybe a little younger. And some of y'all like to pretend like you're too cool for new music. Me, I'm 41 years old. I'll be 42 next week. I'm still listening to your most grimy hip-hop. I have a son that's 12. I got to know what's going on in the streets. You know what I'm saying? So when New Music Friday comes out, I'm listening to every album. I'm listening to it. I'm trying to get into the mind of, like, what are these young people experiencing when they listen to music? Because as an educator and as a father, I think it's important to know. So I want to give you some, some, some insight into what's going on. A couple things. 
you need to check out the 21 Savage album. All right. Uh, 21 Savage album came out. If you don't know 21 Savage, uh, he's what some people would call a mumble rapper, what they would have called him a mumble rapper. I don't, after this album, I don't call him a mumble rapper anymore. This 21 album is pretty dope. I'm going to say, I know it's kind of, you know, is 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 against conventional wisdom of an older gentleman gentleman as myself. I think this 21 out al- 21 Savage album is pretty dope. Uh it's entitled I Am Greater Than I Was. So what he is now is greater than he was and uh as someone who listened to some of his older work came out, you know, last year, year before. Wasn't as big of a fan. Um, I don't know where Savage is from. Is he from Tennessee? Where's 21 Savage from? Someone tell me. Um, but I'm from New York, uh, pure kind of hip hop perspective. I don't like rappers with country accents. I'm just I'm just gonna go out and say it. I think it does something to me. Like it turns my ears off. Like I'm 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 that guy from New York that didn't like Outkast when they first came out. Like I couldn't get down with that. I didn't like any No Limit. I didn't like any um, <clears throat> you know Birdman, Lil Wayne, none of them. If you was from below Virginia, I wasn't really messing with you. Um, over the years, as I've become more mature in my, in my music taste, I've learned to um, respect them a little bit more. Uh, that rappers with southern accents, um, but yeah, this Twenty One Savage album is is very good. Uh, he, you can hear the growth in his music, his maturity in the music. Still some violent aspects in there for parents. You know, if your kid's listening to it, you should know there's you know, some some gunplay in there. Um, but he is talking about lessons that he's learned. He's talking about, you know, the fact that a lot of his friends have died as a result of drugs and a result of violence. Um, so there, there are messages in there. If you turn it on, it's going to be some cursing in there. So I'm saying this not for, you know, the cool dudes out there like, oh, Mike's talking about cursing. I just want to know. I know that people are listening to my podcast that aren't really into music like that. So just to give you a heads up. All right. So 21, check the album out. Um, the other song I wanted to talk about, this is old. So again, if you're a music purist like me, you've probably heard this song before. It's called Mobamba. It's by an artist called Sheck West. I want to say Sheck is out of New York City. Um, this is the worst, best song of all time. Um, Mobamba, if you were to just listen to it, if you're a parent, again, if you're an older, in, in, in a, if you're a man or a woman of a certain age, it's going to sound like a lot of noise. This is the type of song, if I was in a car... When I was 12 years old and I was listening to this song in the car with my mom, she would turn it off while saying all this noise, like booga, 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 jungle, booga. But like, that's the type, like, that's the type of song this is. Um, It sounds like a bunch of unnecessarily, uh, unnecessary yelling and screaming. Um, It sounds like uh, no enunciation of any words or sounds. Um, the beat is wildly infectious and it's a bunch of gibberish with that said song is fire okay uh, it's called mobamba i mean i don't i know there's all these things like you can't play when you're on like you know they're listening i know soundcloud is rejecting me in the past um but i'm gonna just let it play see like right from the jump like that's how you know it's called a 
You feel that? It's just like a lot of yelling. Like what? What is he saying? I don't. I don't know. I, I don't understand. So, so like if you just if you just turn that on, it literally sounds like uh, like but it's fire. I don't know how. I don't know why, but it's dope. Okay, just putting that out there. If you need something to add to your workout playlist. Um, again, I know people that know me be like, yo, Mike, that song is like a year old. I know, okay? This is for the folks out there that don't know. I'm, I'm expanding my audience, okay? Um, and then last on the music segment, and then I'm going to um, go into my final joint. Um, I am a Hamilton fanatic. The, uh, the, 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 the soundtrack, the Broadway show Hamilton... I'm going to have to do an entire episode on Hamilton and why I love it. Um, there's a song on the Hamilton soundtrack called One Last Time. Bear with me, if you will. The show, the, the, the Broadway play is about Anthony, uh, Anthony Hamilton um, and his part in the American Revolution. So we're talking about the founding of America. On paper, it shouldn't be as fire as it is, but it's fire. There's one particular scene where George Washington is stepping down from the presidency, and he asked Hamilton to write a speech for him. In this part of the musical, uh, Hamilton is kind of singing and writing, and the George Washington character is reciting his final uh, speech. Um, well, there was a remix, ladies and gentlemen, of that song one last time, featuring no other than Barack Obama. Um, and when I tell you to hear Obama speaking the words of George Washington about leaving the White House, it is absolutely, it's, it's a beautiful song. Um, it gives me chills just when I think about it. Um, and hearing it, it, it's just phenomenal. So when you get a chance, go check that out. All right, that's, that's Mr. Logan's corner. I'm going to leave Mr. Logan alone. I need to find a, a, a picture of Mr. Logan so y'all can see um, as eclectic as the section as this session of the podcast is, is exactly like Mr. Logan. All right, so going into, um, I want to go into the meat. I might skip the PTA this time because I want to keep this under 30 minutes. And right now I have about nine minutes left. Um, and I wanted to talk about the legend of our falls, right? So last week was New Year's, right? And on New Year's Eve, we took our daughter and son to an event in North Carolina called First Night. Kind of a new phenomenon to me. Um, normally on New Year's Eve, my wife and I party. Like, that's just been our thing. It's my favorite holiday. So we always find something to do out in the city, in the street. We out popping bottles. That's what we're normally doing. And this was the first year, I think in a while, if not ever, that we <laughs> spent New Year's with our family. I never feel guilt, so don't try to make me feel guilty. We're with them 364 other days of the year. They'll be fine if they're not together on New Year's. Anyhow, um, so we spent first night in, uh, in downtown Raleigh, North Carolina. And it was kind of like a carnival feel, like they had little shops and little noisemakers and you walk in the street they have food and vendors and activities and music and we're walking through we roll up on a a, a pop-up roller skating rink okay just in the middle of the street neon 
he had put your shoes on the side and you go on a roller skating rink. So I'm with my uh, I'm with my uh, with my daughter and son. My son's 12. He's good. Pops on the pops on the uh, roller skates and he's out. You know, my daughter who's six is like, yes, she wants to go out and. Um, immediately I'm like, oh God, <laughs> because the roller skating rink is about maybe 30 by 30, right? It's not that big, 30 feet by 30 feet, maybe a little bit bigger, 50 by 50, right? It's a square. People are just going around in circles. People are zooming by. Not a lot of little kids out there. I'm scared to death to take my daughter out there, right? And, um, you know, so we put on the skates and she's like, I can't show you <laughs> what she was doing, but just imagine like... Uh, like a tree in the wind like she just couldn't keep up I was holding her up I had so I'm standing behind her right she's in front of me and I kind of have her hands out and she's just like going back wobbly wobble wobble and forth wobble wobble back and I'm like exerting all of this energy and strength to keep her upright right and I'm like trying to do all I can to keep her up and Something in my mind was just like, yo, let her go. You know, like, uh, just let her go. See what happens. So I was scared because there was so many people around, right? And I'm thinking like, oh, she's going to fall. Like, she's going to fall. I don't want her to fall. You know, those people going to jump over. She's going to get her fingers run over. Like, these are all things in my head, right? And then... um I decided to let her go, and she skated. <laughs> she skated away from me. Um, did she fall? Absolutely. Um, was she scared? Maybe a little bit, but did she hop back up and try on her own? Absolutely, like every time. And how she was with me when I was holding her and being like all extra protective and like trying not to let her fall. Like, she was gone. Like, she was skating on her own. And it made me think, like, what is this? Like, yo, this is crazy. I was so scared about her falling and hurting herself. Because if I were to fall at 5'10", 200 pounds, then it would hurt really bad. And all the times I've fallen on a roller skating rink before, it hurt. Right? In my mind. And I don't want her to hurt. So I was projecting the legend of my fall, right? So the story that I created in my head of what it feels like to fall, I projected on her. And I prevented her. That prevents her from having her own fall. Right? So as parents, think about like how we may get in the way of our kids experiencing their own trouble, right? So what I had to do when she did fall, what I had to do was kind of create a little field around her so that as other people are coming, they don't run into her. They run into me or they see me. I'm big. They run around me, right? So isn't that like an example of parenting that we have to give our kids space to fail. We can't let the legend of our falls interfere with 
how they consider failure and what they may even me holding her hand might have been an act actually was preventing her from being a better skater and being independent and being on her own right so I leave you with that I leave you with thinking about I want you to think about where in your life and it might not be with your kids it might be with a parent you know it might be with a parent it might be with a, a colleague you might be in a you might be a supervisor and you're working with a staff that you think can't do it without you right like you think that they can't possibly get this project done so you micromanage right and you project your failure onto them and as a result they're not going to fly without you like they're not going to fly with you they're micromanaging now when you let go they still might fail but you're there to protect them in whatever role that may be so whether that's your your parent your parental role whether it's your role as a child you know for your own parents whether it's an auntie or uncle whether it's a supervisor a colleague a coach you know a teammate you know there are going to be times where we can't let the legends of our falls the legends of our failures the legends of the time where we effed up interfere with the success or failure of the people that we love so with that said thank you so much for tuning in uh this is uh the idea manhood Season four, episode two. I am about uh, a few minutes over. As a matter of fact, I might be 30 minutes at the DOT. You know what I mean? Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, yo, um, wherever you're listening, I'm there. Wherever you listen to podcasts, I should be there. Uh, I'm on Stitcher now. I am on um, I am on iHeartRadio. What? I'm on Spotify, what? I'm on iTunes, what? I'm everywhere, SoundCloud, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, wherever you listen to your podcast, I'm there. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's your boy, Five Mike's husband, father, educator, writer, MC. The microphone gives me wings. Peace.